0: uridium 2 is a fantastic shooter, three years too late. It's Amigos, everything Amigo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're talking about uridium 2. Yeah. Yeah, man what is it about outer space and blowing stuff up that uh, that makes so many people happy you've got to think
1: I mean listen this I'm gonna address this like an educated person here but vague and so I'll look at the well, look at what outer space is when man understood that there was stuff in space right he thought about how cool it would be to go there right it'd be mm-hmm. cool to like go to the moon or Mars right? And then but that kind of got boring like in the 40s so then it was like how cool would it be to be going to space and then like maybe find aliens that'd be pretty cool right but then that got boring right and then it was like man if we go into space and there's aliens up there we may have to <laughs> blow the crap out of them and then bam someone was like that's it ship to ship combat in space that's gonna be awesome and then the rest is history because who doesn't want to watch an impossible fire happen in the vacuum of space I know I do.
0: That's I think that's the way I look at it, man. Do you do you ever get hung up on the fact that there's always there's always a certain group of people that are there raising their hands <laughs> in the back of the room saying, "Well, actually, you wouldn't hear any sounds of explosions in space because it's a vacuum." Does that ever yeah, get I, to
1: you? Well, I mean, listen, there's two approaches to it, right? Some like in science fiction, for example, sometimes you. But I mean, listen, sometimes the huge, hideous explosions—the Death Star explodes, or, right. or or whatever. But then occasionally, uh, sci-fi goes the opposite directions. There's a great Doctor Who, uh, where Doctor Who's stuck in in space, right? He he, and so he reaches in, he, he reaches into his uh, into his vest and pulls out a cricket ball. And he throws the ball, and it hits a spaceship, bounces back. He catches it, and then uses the momentum of the ball to shoot across to the other ship. You know? Wow! All I always thought that was cool. clever. Yeah, that was the great. That was the doctor that played cricket and stuff. The point of the matter is, you can use both if you're clever, you know. Uh, and you can even intermingle them, sort of like like say Babylon 5 did, or or, or uh, Firefly, where you you would get the explosions, but you would also get some other stuff. That would happen. So I'll, I, I kind of like a little bit of both, but I don't mind a big, huge, epic explosion in space because I like explosions and I like spaces blowing up and blowing each other up. Do you,
0: think the, do you up. think the Death Star is the number one most iconic space explosion?
1: Well, I mean, listen, Star Wars has undermined itself over the past several decades, so I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's got to be up there. If I, you know, probably my favorite space type explosion is in uh, Star Trek VI: Enterprise Country, where Sulu blows up the uh, Klingon spaceship that was invisible, that was screwing with the Enterprise the entire movie. I kind of is enjoyed that one. Is that the one that where one. they find God? No, that's the no, no, that's the fifth one. We don't talk oh, okay. about that one, Bode. <laughs> Horrible.
0: <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, let's talk about Uridium Two. Mm.
1: Iridium 2. Now, both. as I always ask you, uh, is this one that you had tried before this week? Never. Never played Never. Uridium or its sequel. I will say, I had played both, and uh, I did spend this week becoming much better acquainted with the second one, and to a certain degree, the first one, because I felt like there was some a, a reason to try it. So, of course, <clears throat> we're not going to get too far into it, but Iridium 2 uh, is the sequel, uh, to a very popular game, was mostly popular, it's on the C64 called Uridium, uh, that, a game that sees you taking a, a lone ship across multiple dreadnoughts to try to uh, blow them out of the sky. Uh, they did not reinvent the wheel with Uridium 2, but they did uh, They did sort of re-envision it to a certain degree. Um, Uridium 2 came out in '93. Uh, this one was developed by Graft Gold. We've you know, we've done a lot of Graft Gold games. I didn't realize it boat until I looked at the list. Uh, they did Fire and Ice and Off Road and Parajoy 90 Rainbow Islands. Uh, some Simulc- they're uh, one
0: of the most veritable European yeah. b- uh, developers yeah. for sure.
1: In fact, we covered them pretty recently with that uh, some If you'll recall that yeah, one, yeah, yeah. And we even did Viracop a while back. Uh, most a lot of their games were published, including this one by Renegade. Renegade amongst those games also did ca- some of the, ca- the Chaos Engines, Elf Mania. So they were like, I mean, a pretty prominent. Rough, rough and Tumble was a Renegade yeah, they did a Rough yeah, one, correct, yeah, correct, correct. Um, This one was coded uh, by Andrew Braybook. I think he was also uh, did the, the first one. He's done. Was he a, one of the guys that did Elite? Uh, no, okay, uh, I don't think of so. Else. Uh, th- He did. Although he won the Amiga, he did a bunch of stuff, including uh, pretty much everything I just mentioned to you, except he also, and he also did Empire Soccer '94. That's one soccer game I've not tried, but I've heard about it, so we have to put that on the list. He had a team of graphics guys on this. It's funny. uh... Just to touch on it before we get too deep into the cast of who worked on this, uh, there there was actually in in the one magazine they did a uh they did a series of of diary entries on this game like the braybook would would write like a developer diary right exactly I think it was like nine uh nine or ten. Uh, diary entries. Ultimately, the last one was like, they'd ask, well, where's the game? I guess it was running late. So he was oh. like, well, here's <laughs> one more. Here's one more of these things. Uh, so, But he mentioned he had a team of uh, uh, people working on the graphics. He said it was a weird feeling to have people you know, making the graphics because it's not exactly what you might want. But on mm-hmm. the flip side, you don't have to make the graphics. So there right. hey, you go. Uh, most of the people that worked on this uh, graphically didn't do anything else on the Amiga the exception of a fellow named Simon Sheridan who worked on uh, many of the games we just mentioned. The music of this game was done by Jason Page. Again, he worked on a lot of the games we just mentioned. Uh, Off-Road and Fire and Ice and Paridroid 90, Putty Squad. Uh, so And so he was, a I would say, uh, sort of a... You don't hear much about him, but he did some pretty decent stuff. Master Axe, another one of his. And then lastly, the lady's uh, voice in this. Uh, it, there's a, If you hear that lady talking, that's mm-hmm. Emma and she actually okay. went on to do some stuff on the Genesis as well, so she even had a, a little rollout on this. So, I gotta ask you, Boat, uh,
0: <laughs> did you look this manual up, perchance? No. Okay, uh, I, I found a guide. On I saw the guide. Yeah, some useful information, but I couldn't find the docs on this one. So Where did I you looked, find them, man. I found them. On, they were on uh, uh, Hall of Light. Okay.
1: And so I read. Now I, we're not going to get to you didn't you didn't miss too much. Maybe there's one thing I I wonder if you caught. But the backstory of this, I'm not going to get into it that much because I've read it a couple times and I'm not exactly sure what is going on. It picks up directly after the first Uridium. Uh, and ugh, again, these dreadnoughts that are in this game, and I guess for the uninformed, these dreadnoughts are basically like, th- pick like think of huge capital ships that fly around the galaxy, and 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 they're split into the fleets. Like I think each fleet has like, I mean each uh, little se- uh, section has like three or four of these dreadnoughts in it that you have to go through. And these things go around and they consume planets, sort of like Galactus. You know what I mean? Right, they take. They basically. Worlds. They suck all the resources out of a planet and leave it a dead husk, you know? Hmm. And so, your guy, uh, uh, in the first game, stopped this from happening. And he did that by using his Manta. This is the uh, sh- name of the ship that he's in. It's a cool name. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's not bad. So, in, and so in the docs, it basically says, like I guess it's sort of like happening again. And I guess the, the whatever planet your guy's from was working on a big super solution for this, but it's not done. And so from what i read the docs were written in like um it's not the most uh riveting
0: tale, mode If you know what i mean. I'm trying to be <laughs> polite. I mean listen, we've in read worse. in the world worse. of amiga docs that sounds about normal.
1: We've read worse. We've read much worse, but this would've just like it didn't grip grip me, you know. But that's that's basically the long and short of it. You're out here to destroy these dreadnoughts before they can come and consume planet or planets, okay? Um when this thing comes up, boat, first impressions
0: uh i was impressed with the speed first of all uh the the speed of the scrolling but not only the speed of the scrolling like going fast but the way that you can control the speed of the scrolling with the stick um i was expecting a lot of jitteriness i was actually expecting some slowdown when you do sort of slam on the brakes i was expecting things to be weird um other first impressions: It's very chaotic when you first start the game, because if you, you if you try and play this like a normal space shooter, uh, you're number one, you're going to get wiped out pretty quick, and number two, there's just there's a lot of things that are coming at you just as fast as you're going at them. Um, so this was a game that I I had to kind of stop, take stock of what was going on, and really kind of reprogram myself to think about this game as not being your normal horizontally scrolling R type space shooter.
1: Yeah. Uh, this game is uh, reminds me uh you know on ARG me and Brent have tacked... and I can't remember if it was maybe me and you as well. There's a there's a game for the Intellivision and the I think the Atari eight bits called the Dreadnought Factor. Yeah, right? you guys do that on ARG. And the Dreadnought Factor is very similar to this in that except in that in that one uh, you fly across a capital ship, and your goal... You, you make passes, and with each pass, you try to blow every conceivable part of the ship off. And when you finally do that, the ship explodes. And th- there's a bunch of Dreadnoughts heading to come to get your planet. So it's very similar. Uh, but Dreadnought Factor runs... I would say Dreadnought Factor runs somewhere in the neighborhood of the original Uridium. It's not wasn't really super fast, but it was a comprehensive sort of fun game. And it actually plays pretty differently on the Intellivision... Than it does the Atari. In fact, I believe, I believe the Ataris. It's the ships are vertical, and on the Intellivision, they're horizontal. But don't hold me. It, one of the two. It's it's one of those are reversed. Uh, so I was somewhat once I understood what I was playing. Because I've played this before, I didn't quite understand exactly what I was supposed to do. But once I looked at the docs and read that guide and understood what was happening, I got a lot, I got a lot more out of it. Now I wanted. This is one area I don't know if you would have known about without the docs, because I know I didn't know until the documentation. So, <clears throat> in fact, I bet there's a lot of people that don't know this. On the on the on the title screen of this game, uh, if you hit F1, you cycle through the options. Did you do you know what I'm talking about here, yeah, Bode? Yeah. I, I did. Okay, that. so you did know that. So the options in this are actually really robust. Uh, you've got one to two players hot seat, and then you've got. Two-player simultaneous, where one player controls the mantra and one player controls like a satellite ship that just fires and sort of can move around the mantra. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, and, they call that like girlfriend mode in like it's Super that, Mario Galaxy.
1: And then That's they've also saying. got they've also got a mode where you play one player or two players, where and you both have a second ship tied to you, like a wow, robotic okay. ship. That, That's uh, cool. So if you're having trouble with this game. And you can you can switch to this mode where you get like a basically like a, a robot ship, and it's sort of like it sort of like follows you around and shoots at the same time you do, and so it gives you a lot of extra firepower. It's especially potent on the bo- on the second stage when you're blowing up the reactor. It's a real big help there, and it can it can get killed too, you know. But I thought that was neat. It's also got like a what's called like a it's like a frenzy mode or something that requires uh, AG-80 play. And it 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 it's uh, like two players, crazy, all kinds of crap on the screen so at there, once. So there's a
0: this is a game that it's an OCS ECS game, but there's a mode that requires AGA. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's uh, incredible. Yeah. I think that that is seriously the first time that I've ever heard about doing that. It's you know it's, in the docs. In
1: the docs, I think I've still got the docs up here somewhere. It, it, it mentions that it requires the AA chipset, so one would wonder. Exactly. At what point they were this development was going on? What that was right. going on? you know, but that because also, I think that that was the
0: early code name of AGA. That yeah. was like with the Ombre and all that junk.
1: There were some people on the EAB board. I was just nosing around to see if I could dig anything up, and they had mentioned that this game had been uh, had been mentioned in a preview as a CD32 title, right? And uh, sure enough, here comes Galahad. A uh, Galahad, I always enjoy his stuff. Yeah. Uh, Gal had the old cracker. He said uh, Renegade passed on Uridium 2 CD32 uh, because it did so badly that they didn't want to publish it. And Binary Emotions almost picked up the title and it didn't publish it either. And so as far as they know, there was there was never a... Uh, A CD32 release of this. That's
0: a a real shame. That's a real shame. Well, I mean, it's something you could have done. Right. Because if you look at uh, some of the Drek that appeared Mm -hmm. on the CD32, it's clear that if you were a CD32 owner, you would literally buy anything they put on the shelf because you were so starved for games. So this is actually, this would actually be, I mean, this is a game. I'm just going to go right into. Get in there. Get in there, Boat. This is a game that you don't play, like I said, like our type. This is a game that you sort of, your your speed, you're constantly turning around. You're constantly varying your rate of speed. It's a very manic play style. I found it to be a very manic play style. And it's a style that I found suited itself much better to the D-pad than a joystick, which is sort of the opposite of the way that I feel about a lot of shooter games, which are just basically better with a joystick. With this game, being able to just kind of mash down on the arrow pad and be able to quickly change direction and speed together... There's just something that I found very satisfying about using the D-pad to control my ship. And if they could have thrown in, you know, some extra button support with the, the CD32 uh, and, and kind of expanded upon it a little bit, uh, this, this really could have been great. And I think that it would have sold just as well as anything else in the CD32. I mean, if this came out in 1993, it was right on the cusp of, of all that stuff. So it's unfortunate. And... I would like to know more about that that decision process. Uh, but anyway, uh, talk a little bit, Aaron, about well, talk a little bit about the the mini game in this. I want to hear your, well, your words uh, on what you think this is going on here. So here's how this game works, because because to describe
1: the mini game, you start to explain what's going on. So as we mentioned, you start off in your ship, and you're like basically like phase one. You're and the phase one is you go across. The, uh, multiple capital ships smaller capital ships at first and you you try to eliminate all their guns okay and after a while uh you will get a note that will uh, flash on the bottom of the screen it says t- you know now try to land time to land and i'm um, on the capital ships somewhere there's a landing area like a landing strip with two like arrows pointing at it depending on the ship you're on and the color of the ship and whatnot the arrows will vary in color. But you can see them. And what you do is you line your ship up and sort of fly over those two arrows, and your ship will land, come in for a landing. And then it's time to, to go in there and try to take out the warp core, or the, or the core of the ship, the power core. And this is an interesting area because you're in sort of a zero-G, like almost like a jetpack area, where you sort of have to hit the thrust button to keep yourself aloft, and you try to shoot the central core that's... Uh, covered in shielding. So, at first, it it generates a little bit of, like, fire to come off of it, but it's not super tough. And what you do is just keep shooting this thing until you've worn off the shielding, and then you just can shoot the core. Now, when the core goes, uh, it blows up, and the ship starts to crumble, okay? So, at this point, you're faced with a choice, Boat, and the choice is, I can, because as this thing crumbles, power-ups start appearing all Mm -hmm. over the place. You can stick around and get these power-ups for as long as you want, uh, uh, but the uh, chances of you getting hit by debris increases because it's coming down basically random. It's just like the ship's exploding. If you hold your fire button down, you, uh, uh, like, basically a warp, a warp area will appear, a small one, just man-sized, and you can just go up through it, and then that finishes the level. You can die in these cores, and if you do, you don't get the the ship doesn't blow up. So you need you've gotta get out of but there. But you,
0: you do the ship doesn't blow up but you do move on to the next you ship.
1: You adva- you do advance, but you the ship doesn't blow up. Right. If you get out of there uh, after blowing up the core, then you're treated to a neat little uh, part of the game, where the ship sort of goes up like it's like it's uh, like ash, basically. It just like it starts
0: separating in a really cool way. It's a really yeah, cool. Yeah, it effect. looks really cool. It's almost like it's being consumed by flames, totally consumed.
1: Now, if you played Uridium, did you say you never played the original Uridium mode? Uh, not until this week. Okay, so so you did play it then. In the yeah. original Uridium. It's the the opening levels is, is pretty much the same. You fly across the dreadnoughts, taking out the guns, uh, you know, t- fi- getting fired upon by other ships, taking out those ships, uh, avoiding walls, which we'll get to. But in the original Uridium, the bonus level is much goofier, where you're basically there's like I think it's like six or seven strips, and there's on each side of the strip, there's a light. A light. One side will have, like, points, and one side will say, like, out or exit or whatever. And you've got it. it's timing. And every time you get one right, the light goes up a level until you get to the top and blow up the ship. It sucks. I've never liked that in Uridium. And I thought this uh, this uh, ending was made a lot more sense and was a lot more fun and a lot less random than the uh, the one in
0: Uridium. What, what, what was your thoughts on that, Boat? I didn't get to the bonus stage in Uridium mm. 1. I found Uridium 1 to be hard as nails and the reason why is because there are so many things you can run your ship into uh, in Iridium 1 you have these raised platforms uh, almost you think about them like billboard signs that are mounted on the dreadnought and you run over those and you're dead it's game over and yeah. uh you don't you just don't have that in Uridium too. Oh, well, you do have weird. those. You actually do have them. Well, if you get far, I actually far, didn't run into them. So If you get far enough, there are but I never hit them. Oh, there's tons of them. And as you get farther in, there's there's lots of walls. Okay, well this is the very first level. The very first thing that you see is a billboard that kills you.
1: Yeah, oh no. No. I I agree with you on that. Uridium is is tough. You know, the funny thing about Uridium is when it, if you play the C64 version of Uridium and it, and the ship comes out It moves at what I would call uh, 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 slightly quicker than a walk. You
0: know what I mean? Like a speed walk. I mean, uridium's sort of a disappointing game in a lot of ways. Uridium 2 perfected it. Well,
1: you know, I kind of was... I kind of wish there was some sort of happy
0: medium because Radium 2, that sucker goes. They, they has have... but you can control it, you know. And again, it's all about the waggle. It's the D pad waggle that lets you, it lets you, it lets you maneuver in such a way that you feel like you have a semblance of control. First of all, you're you're what
1: you said about using a D pad on this. You're dead on. I agree with that because I tried to play this with one of my uh, one of my Atari sticks. And I, I found it um uh, no good. This is a game pad game right here, and then. In terms of the speed, I didn't mind the speed so much, except for a couple issues. Uh, uh, you've got a radar screen at the bottom of this, okay? And the radar screen is good for a couple things. It shows you when bogeys are coming in. It'll also show you where the guns are. And it's a it's a rough idea to try to figure out where you're at. Because on some of the later levels, uh, the, uh, the ships are really, you know, they're wide and big. You know, they're, they're pretty large ships. And so this gives you a. I mean, that's pretty much all the radars for. The problem is, is trying to look at the radar while you're actually playing is tough because there's so much. Eurythm is a game where nothing's happening, and then suddenly a ton of stuff's on top of you, and it makes for a. Uh, it, it, you have to be a quick reactor. Maybe that's yeah. maybe just yeah, quicker than. Yeah, and this I is a game
0: like like you said much. Uh, this the the the. the um... The radar is very similar to what you might find in Defender in terms of its layout. That's right. I agree. But yeah, yeah. Unlike 90% of the games that feature a radar screen, I actually found this one to be really useful because you can see enemies as they're approaching. And those are times where you will get wiped out. You know, if you're flying at the same sort of altitude angle that these enemies are coming in at. Um, and and that was one thing though that I didn't really understand because there will be some times where I thought I should be wiped out and I'm not. Yes. And it has to do, I'm sure, with something in the docs that I just didn't read. Well, I read the docs and I know exactly what i I don't know either. Uh,
1: <laughs> I would be like, I've got to be dead, and I wouldn't be. So I, I don't know exactly because, I mean, the game has a variety of enemies. It's got ships that fly around in formation like you'd expect. Although I will say they did not devolve into that blood money, just random shapes. These look like cool ships. Yeah. They're flying yeah. in formation, they're coming to stop you from blowing up the dreadnought. That makes sense occasionally you'll see a thing on the ground generate these kind of mines. And they, they'll they'll follow you around. You know, they're like, I don't know, heat seekers a magnetic or whatever. And you have to try to get those things off of you. Uh, but you're right. I had the exact same experience. Sometimes I'd be sure I was dead and I wasn't. And then sometimes I would die so fast, I wouldn't even know what i ran into. Because everything was, you know, when you're going real fast one way and the enemy's coming the other, you can get blindsided real quick and not even mm. see what's
0: coming. This game has power-ups in it. The power-ups are pretty bizarre and interesting, Bo. They, they are. They're very interesting. I do not like the way the power-ups are delivered in this Explain game. it to them. Because I, yeah. I, I was wondering if you thought if you liked it or not. They sort of float towards you in a way, but the best power-ups don't. The best power-ups float directly up to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Fly, when, you're, go, when you're doing a, a horizontal space shooter... You want to either make the power-ups move slowly and just kind of have them drift or just have them stationary you know they don't need to move and they definitely don't need to move at a rapid (laughs) pace because if you're moving at a rapid pace you're never going to get them and i missed out on tons of them because of that and let's be honest the reason why you play one of these games is to get the awesome upgrades you know you feel like a real ba if you're shooting around that 360 degree shot or the laser blast or whatever
1: yeah, so uh, according to the guide here and I can tell you I did not get all these and you can tell me present that you saw that I didn't uh, the pickups include a bomb which is cool it just blow it is the effects really good on the bomb when it just kind of you know blows stuff up uh, you've got a chaser which is basically a drone which is that same thing you would get in the two-player drone area you've got this thing called a cyclone which is like Lasers kind of shoot all over you, almost like a, a death blossom type thing. The ionizer—it's a—you've uh, got a laser which just gives you twin lasers. Then you've got extra lives. You've got um, plasma which gives you two lasers that shoot out. Uh, a scatter shot that fires lasers everywhere. You also could get a shield. I never got the shield, but I've, I've seen it in playthroughs, but I never got hold of one. Did you ever get the shield? No, it's pretty cool no. looking. It's like a circular shield, and you can kind of see it. The graphics look really good on it. You can get a torpedo, and then you can also grab victory points. And when you buy bo- there, you can you know as you fly over the ship, uh, the dreadnought. You're not. It's not like a like a Zevius where you can like shoot and bomb. But if you pick up the bomb thing, you you are dropping bombs on the deck of the ship and blowing stuff up, which is weird to me. Like I said, there are parts of this game. I wasn't. There's a lot of stuff on the decks of these ships, and I'm like, man, that looks like something you can get. And you can bomb it. I guess you just get points for it. You know what I'm talking about? Mm
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, but it's I think odd it's that. It's just a points thing. I kind of wish you could either shoot it or bomb it, frankly, if you want the mm-hmm. truth. But, I mean, you can, but you have to get the pickup. And you're right. The pickups are tough to get because they float off the screen real quick. And generally, there's so much going on that it's tough to. I mean, every once in a while, you can get lucky. I got better as I played it. So, if I played this a ton more, I could probably get a little more, uh, you know, proficient at that. Um, as you go through the game, the bonus level gets a lot tougher, or I I guess it's the second level, whatever you want to call it, uh, because things orbit the core on top of the shields, and they look like to me they look like battery watches, mm-hmm. or you yeah. know, or yeah. watch yeah. batteries, Absolutely. watch yeah. batteries, they're gonna batteries. Right? That's right, and they but they actually gyrate and sway in this really cool way, and they'll extend out like an octopus arm. I thought that was a, a really slick. Gameplay aside, but graphically and
0: audio, what did you think of this uh, presentation on this thing? It's great, great. I loved it. I thought this is a, again, if this game would have come out in 1990, hot on the heels of you know Hybris and those other classic shooters, this would be remembered as one of the highlights of the Amiga. The problem is, is that this game came out way too late. It took way too long to develop, and by the time it came out, other space shooting games had already sort of taken over and this one in in a lot of ways the mechanics are sort of dated by comparison um but looking at it through the eyes that i look at it which is like i don't care when it came out let's just see what it what it looks like um i think this game is great i love the variety of enemies i love the animations the explosion animations the (laughs) weapon animations are all gold I love the fact that you don't lose the game by losing the minigame. That's probably my least favorite game mechanic of all time, is when you beat a level, and then you have to do a mini game, and then if you lose the mini game, you have to beat that level again. We've seen that a fair number of times on this show. Yeah. That does not occur in this game. Um, I love the way the dreadnoughts explode. I love dreadnoughts. I love the dreadnought yeah. factor. I think that's a great game, too. Yeah, I yeah. love the idea of you are again it's a very star wars sort of thing to do you're flying over this just mammoth flying vessel in space blowing up targets on it while you're trying to you know evade the bogeys that have come out to get you it's a great concept um i'm surprised there aren't more games like this to be honest with you uh i think this this is a triumph and it's a shame that it's not it's not really well remembered as well remembered as i think it should be you know
1: I, I, I was expecting not to like this. All right? I've never been a big fan of the original.
0: Yeah, uh, completely different than the original. If well, you played it, the original it, and you didn't like it, play but Uridium I mean, it, 2.
1: It's, they just took... The, this is one of the few times where they took a game off one of the 8-bit machines, and when they made their... Instead of just making Uridium Amiga style, they actually... Did all the stuff you people want you to do? Let's improve the graphics. Let's improve the sound. Let's improve the gameplay. Let's make it look like it belongs on this 16-bit system. And They did that, and I give them credit for that. Uh, I think there are uh, this game does it's you can get pretty good at this starting out. It, when again when the when the obstacles start appearing more, I found it a lot more harder because you've got to really pay attention to your maneuvering. You know the docs mentioned that you could you know one of the things you could do in this game is like make your ship. Like do a barrel roll, you know what I'm talking about boat, and you can mm-hmm. sort of make it. I, I've read the docs and people talk about how you could use this to maneuver between walls and stuff. But I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I'll never get to a level where that could pot be possible, and I can never pull that off. The the manual even talks about the possibility of landing upside down, and you can't do it. And I thought to myself, I never, I, I never use that aspect of the game. So there are probably gameplay elements here that I, are were. Lost on me because I never got to the point where I needed to pay attention to doing barrel rolls. I'm sure that's early on. There are six different big levels in this, uh, so you're—I mean, it's a pretty expansive game because each level is comprised of, like these di- different sets of dreadnoughts. You'll know when you start a new level because the uh, there'll be there's a screen where it's loading that'll have like some kind of like it'll name the fleet. And I have sort of like a picture of what the fleet looks like on it. You know what I'm talking about? So, mm-hmm. Which is kind of That's cool. Uh, I like the destruction you can rot in this. I really, what I would love to see is like a combination of this and the Dreadnought Factor. I like how I like the Dreadnought Factor actually what you do to the ships more than I do in this. Although as you get f- further into this game, they t- pull out extra goodies like thrusters and stuff that you saw in the Dreadnought Factor that I liked. So that's pretty cool. I just never got that far. I just had to watch the video to see him, uh, But I, I wish the speed of this was about two-thirds, and then you had the Dreadnought Factor ships. That'd be the perfect game. With all that said, I really, stunningly, was surprised how much I enjoyed this. I played it a lot this week. I went back to it. I, tr- I uh, uh, tried different controllers and tried different strategies. It's not... It doesn't start off deathly hard, so you can at least figure out what you're doing. I thought, did you think that? What did you think of the level of the learning curve on this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I <sighs> love the fact that I could beat the first level. Once I figured out what to do in the game, I could beat the first level without trouble. And yeah. that's all I ask. In any yeah. game, that's all I ask, and I'm disappointed yeah. so many times.
1: Yeah, and the radar screen, I mean, it, it does a good job. Listen, it tells you, that, that it gives you the idea of the three things you need to know. Where are the bad guys? Where are the guns? Where are the walls? That's really all you need to know. If you can get your mind, your your brain to keep one eye on it while you're playing, then you can do pretty well at it, I think. But your, the audio was top shelf. The gra- I'm surprised, Boat, that this doesn't get more
0: uh praised, to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. I, I am too. It's 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 a it's a mystery other than the fact that it's a late release <clears throat> yeah. and people had, you know, this is the same time that games like, you know, Project X and all of these other Amiga shooters that we've seen that are more in that R-type uh vein had kind of taken over. And I think the public's appetite was for those type of games and they 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 judged this as sort of a an archaic um, you know playstyle, which doesn't make any sense to me. It's just different. It's not arcade. It's just different. You know, I was reading people.
1: There were there was a lot of mixed bag on this, and they talked about how polarizing the first Iridium was. I always heard that it, people really loved the first Iridium. I didn't realize it was a polarizing game, and I guess this one's sort of polarizing. And I'll tell you, when I played this on stream. A few years ago, I did not like it at all, and I didn't like it because I didn't understand it. And this is one of those games where a casual look at it, you're like, "Yeah," but uh, I think I would prefer this over, say, a uh, a Super Stardust or a Project dictate I would much this rather play this. This is probably
0: the first Amiga, and this is an Amiga exclusive title. <clears throat> yeah, this is probably the first Amiga exclusive shooter that I would seriously go back and play again. Uh, I, well, I don't have to think about that, but the uh, the uh, I do also because all the rest I can do better on other systems. There's well, nothing else like this that gives me yeah. this sort of play style in any other game on any other system. Okay, well, no, I, that, listen, I, that
1: I can understand when you put it that way. It's, it's a it's a valid point. I'm all, I am surprised this didn't get ported to worse stuff too, because yeah. this would have been it, at and home on a lot of just, s-
0: this, this sort of dropped at that time again that time period. Where people were not really, there were a lot of competing 16 bit platforms by this time. Nobody was really sure what horse to back, and nobody wanted to lose a lot of money.
1: So. Yeah. So I, I was interested to see what, how this would score in the magazines and whatnot, both. Uh, Lemon, the people at Lemon give this a 7.8, which is a respectable score. Yeah. Uh, I looked over the list of all the different machi- all the different tech- magazines. Listen, this got good reviews. Uh, most, of, most of them are in the 80s. Amiga Format gave it a 94. Amiga Joker gave it an 86. That's one of the highest Amiga Joker scores we've ever heard on this show. Uh, the low score on this, I believe it's a 78. The average magazine rating is an 84. So, I mean, <laughs> that's why another thing, I mean, the magazines liked it. Uh, I don't understand why this is. No one talks about this one. I know I've I'll, I'll talked to more than a few people that know this game existed, right? And so, I wonder if it was just a limited release. I mean, you, the thing is, you've got a you've got a great uh developer, you've got a great publisher. I don't know. There was a malfunction at the junction. Boat. Did we get any Discord action on this
0: one? We did. We did. Let me read you some of these reviews. Yeah, um, get into it, man. We uh, our first review comes in from David Hearn Ryder he says this is a good game albeit frustratingly difficult particularly at first the enemies mines and bullets are hard to see just like the landing strips at times and this will hasten your demise iridium 2 has some improvements over the landmark original shmup on the c64 yet it's not as entertaining or memorable still the scanner is a lifesaver and if some of the weapon upgrades are cool as heck the slight vertical scrolling comp- complements the predominantly horizontal action, and in places the graphics do flash you some super nice detail. The end of level core blasting for each level is a bit of a stinker, though you might get a new weapon out of it. Ray, Ray Brook will always be one of my heroes, even if this isn't his finest hour. Give it a chance if you missed it the first time around, and don't be put off when it slaps you on the wrist for your first few turns. Technically dope in its day, worth persisting with and worthy of 7 out of 10 dreadnoughts. Alien Breeder writes, Uridium 2 is a fun game that is probably a few years too late. Graphically, it's a nice improvement to Uridium, but it feels much more like an 8-bit game with a nicer skin. This game came out after Project X, Xenon 2, Battle Squadron, Swiv, R-Type 2, Epidia, Agony, Epano and others. That means while nice, it was a bit outclassed. But I still give it 720 top bananas out of 1,000.
1: Oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing when you get that many <laughs> top bananas?
0: <laughs> Lord Soup writes Happened to go for memory as I'm mucking about with my PC at the moment. As a teen, I enjoyed I too. I think he means you too. They could have added a bit more to the core gameplay, but if you want old school, brutal arcade action, it's definitely as good as its C64 Forbear. Limited but fun. 7 out of 10. And Pajaco6502 writes Slow down, you crazy fool. You're going to get yourself killed. Oh, don't worry. I already crashed. Euridium <laughs> <Your EDM2 laughs> 2 takes the classic 8-bit scrolling shooter that wowed us back in the day and slaps a 16-bit code of bait on and bolts a little minigame between ships. The graphics are classic, Amiga looking graphics, and it all looks great. The music is banging, and it moves at a heck of a pace. I actually wasn't a fan of the between-level blow-up-the-core thing as I found it a bit irritating for not much payoff, as you are more likely to buy the farm than get any useful hiccups. Sadly, I didn't get nearly enough time with this game, but what I did play, I really liked. So if you're into scrolling shooters, give this one a whirl. The only downside is at our age, the old reflexes are not what they used to be, so you <laughs> might find it a bit too fast-paced and need a bit of a lie-down afterwards. But lots to do, lots to like, very little to hate. 8 out of 10.
1: Very good, Boat. Um, what the, I wanted to mention something. I forgot to mention it earlier. So... When, you, when this game starts, uh, and when your ship appears on the screen, there is a really rocking animation of like your ship coming out of warp or something. You know what I mean, Boat? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, I just played Time Pilot 84 a couple months ago on ARG. That's the way you beam a ship into a level, brother. You don't just have it show up looking lame. That thing's got a really cool animation, and I think uh, the attention to detail overall on this thing was quite good. Uh, will you come back to this one, Boat, you think?
0: Any day of the week. I'll play this any day of the week.
1: I'm right there with you, brother.
0: Welcome to Retro Rewind. I'm your host, British Jones. Whether you enter the Amiga, Commodore 64, or Tiger Floral print Speed Suits, Retro Rewind has all you need from the friendly hosers of the Great White North. Looking to upgrade your Amiga? Check out the Amiga OS 3.2.2 Kickstart ROM for just $18. Or maybe you need a C64 or C128 diagnostic harness. Grab one. Wow, they're hot. Don't miss our best sellers like the 1541 transit card for just one dollar or the incredible Amiga coin cell battery adapter. Shop now at Retro Rewind Limited and bring your classic computers back to life. Retro Rewind Limited. Frank's the man. Amiga News. The Band- All right, Aaron. Big news week this week. Oh yeah, what you got there on the old? Uh, this is the kill all humans trailer, man. Boat. This is the kill all humans trailer. The okay. AI
1: kills all humans. The first so, news Aaron, story. So, uh,
0: last week we uh, had a guy uh, come in on the old uh, Discord, on Discord, the Twitch chat on our stream, and saying that he was uh, he's developing this new uh, OS four game called AI kills all humans. Uh, oh, I didn't get I a chance that, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to play this this week, but uh, it looks like a, a a pretty pretty fun game. And he did send me a message afterwards saying that he is looking for beta testers. <laughs> so if you are interested in uh, beta testing this game and you are a, uh, a modern Amiga user, OS4 or PC, uh, you can uh, send this guy a message. Uh, he's one joyful day on YouTube. Subscribe to his channel, by the way. Give him some love. This and, looks kind of uh, awesome,
1: Boat. I'm looking at this. This looks super professional, man. Yeah, this Look is a that. real
0: game. He's not ham and egging it over no. on uh, One Joyful Day.
1: Yeah, go check this dude out, because some of you folks
0: that are more knowledgeable, cunning types, that might be right up your alley. That looks real that looks real interesting, Boat. Yeah, and he's with us in the chat. He also adds it is for Morph OS as well. So, again, if you are interested oh. in beta testing a new uh, RTS, tactical RTS game for modern Amigas and Windows check out uh ai kills all humans from one joyful day yeah that looks that looks really interesting man check this guy out all right aaron next up this is this is a little little something (laughs) worms the board game yeah we 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 love team 17 because they managed to squeeze out every last drop of profit from the Worms franchise, the, the franchise <laughs> that saved the struggling software company. Or so it we thought. to keep them afloat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they are uh, they're going back to the money bank for Worms the board game. Aaron, are you a big fan? Now, I know in the past you've played some video game-based board games. I think you tried uh, Centipede or uh, you got one of those for your birthday a couple years back, right? Listen, I play them all.
1: You know, you got to remember me and Brent did a, a show where we played berserk the game yeah. and we played pac-man you know so i love this stuff and i'm not telling you look as, as i look at this uh i don't know I, I guess is this this is uh coming soon or is this a kickstarter what are we looking at this here? this is buddy? going to
0: be a kickstarter i knew it uh, but i'm clicking here and i don't believe oh yes it has been launched so we're right in time aaron oh um, yeah this finally. thing this thing is now launched on kickstarter they've already met and exceeded their goal 10 x yeah. They were funded in 13 minutes. They've already raised $325,000 for this game. Uh Aaron and uh this thing is uh let's see. It looks like you are going to be paying about $100 uh, for uh for uh the the game. Now, you 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 chuckle in, in a way that makes you feel like this is not the normal price for board games now. But I don't know if you've looked at the price of board games these days. Everything is $100. Everything. Well, well no. I, you know, I go over to the, uh, we, got a, we got a store here
1: locally now. We got a couple of them that are selling board games. And I can see why the board game business done blowed up. Because board games have taken the price of what cars used to cost. They cost yeah. a ton. Now, you're right. I see, routinely, say, see video, uh, board games going for, like, uh, starting around fifty and then moving their way up north of 100 118 120 What was that huge, colossal game you bought that was like a billion Bloom pieces? Haven. How much did that thing run you, Bo, back in that the day? That was over
0: $100, and then I paid almost as much for the Inbox Organizer.
1: It's one of our most viewed videos. Almost one of our most hated as well, Bo. That's now, true. People people
0: I, don't like watching me put that thing together. Now, let me ask you a question,
1: because we're talking about expensive games here. When you pay that kind of wad for a game... Does that motivate you to play the game a lot more? It does until I realize I hate the game. Oh, that's bad. So you realize it's after you bought the game? Yeah, because in my mind, you know
0: how it is in your mind. In your mind, you're like, man, this game is going to change my life. I'm going to be playing this game all the time. I'm going to be living in a fantasy world. With, yeah. ch- with Hat Chad, and we're going to be doing oh, battle that, that with sounds so good.
1: To, I don't want to do that. I can tell you that right now. You don't want to live in a
0: fantasy world with Hat Chad?
1: No, I do not. That sounds <laughs> like a horrible idea. So don't be asking, did you sell Gloomhaven? I did. In I fact, knew I, I, I sold it to Fivebot, Pac-Billy's brother. Oh, that. well, listen. And one thing about him is, you know, he can lift the box. That's for That's darn right. sure.
0: He's a freaking so. stud.
1: You know, you got a video here for Worms. It looks like... The board looks a lot like Settlers. <laughs> Actually, if you look at it, Settlers of Catan. Uh, you know, this... I love Worms, as you know. I'm a big Worms guy.
0: Yeah, I love, I love Worms, too.
1: Part of it is because I've never been beaten at Worms. I'm undefeated as a professional player.
0: That's interesting. And this
1: looks pretty good. Much like Illuminati, I might add. And this looks okay. I mean, I'm looking at the board here, though, and I'm not seeing... One hundred plus dollars of stuff. I guess yeah. the little worms are going to cost something. Maybe maybe they're
0: pewter. Maybe they're gold. They're not. They're not pewter. Oh, well, I, I mean, it. it I, the disappointment in I sort of, your voice. I sort of agree with you on this one. I mean, for a hundred dollar game, most of the time when you buy a game like gloomhaven I mean, that is a game you get you get bits. They're bits to beat the band. This game does not does not uh it communicate that to me. You've got a stack of cards. It looks like you've got about a dozen worms miniatures, you get and you've 45, got a, a tile cardboard, some tile cardboard pieces. That's it. It does include the five to six player expansion. That's kind of neat. Hey, listen, it might be it might be better than anything. Listen, if the game is great, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like I'd rather pay you know a hundred dollars for a great game than fifty dollars for a game that I hate. So I really <laughs> you know I wish them the best over yeah. Team 17. I hope. This I think they already well. got the best. They, they, after yeah. looking at that Kickstarter,
1: they went to the money bank, just like you said. It's another 10 years of Team 17, brother. They're not going nowhere. They're going to be making the big money. So that, yeah. mean, hey, I'll play it. If you, I, if with
0: Jamie, your branch my buy Listen, it, I'm in. I have a feeling that this is going to end up in Jamie's collection. He buys everything.
1: It depends on if it's deep enough for Jamie. That's Because true. he doesn't want any shallow crap. It's got to be 10 layers deep. He hates everything I love
0: that's there you go well sums it up nicely <laughs> all right we move on aaron past the worms board game in to the 2023 world of retro computing oh aaron, man this is gonna be the bomb us. yeah it is uh we we talked about this a couple weeks ago the world of retro computing is a two-day vintage and retro computing conference in kitchener ontario uh on uh, canada I'm so used to saying uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, there was a drum corps that was from up there called Les Etois. Uh, do do, do in the you mid-90s. realize how
1: huge that town is? I thought it was like some, nothing happening. I talked I to Frank Dutch on that Board interview. I'm
0: from Kitchener, too. DCI fans, let me know. That uh, town's yeah, big, the- brother. Yeah, Kitchener's huge. huge. It's I huge. didn't know. We, we found out from Frank, it's like 250,000 people live there.
1: Did, so. Before that interview, did you know how big Kitchener was? Were you like me? No I, I thought it was like you know Huntington or something. Or maybe, maybe like maybe uh, uh, Lexington or something. I mean, it's a big town. It's a huge town. And it's all going down in that town. Listen to these a lot of Frank told me who was going to be on this show. Tell me, man. You got Bill Hurd. You ever heard of him? You ever heard, heard of, of Bill Hurd? How about your buddy? From Ireland, Dave Haney, the Hanster, right. oh, and wow. an old favorite of mine from back in the day, Jerry Ellsworth will be there. Uh, the inventor extraordinaire. By the way, I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw. You know, she's got a new company now, and I saw a commercial they did for it. It was one spicy meatball. She's really? Jerry Ellsworth's Not screwing around, brother. <laughs> she's got this is some this is some crazy stuff she's got cooking. But uh, this is Frank's all up in this uh, particular outing. It looks like solid gold money here, uh, boat. Yeah, so uh, there
0: I mean basically if you want if you want an at a glance, this is gonna feature vintage and retrocomputer and gaming displays, the guest speakers you mentioned, plus workshops, land parties, vendors, buying and selling, challenges, and raffles. Yeah. All ages, free admission. That's the way you do it. Right. Man, Brought look to at you, all this Of course, stuff. by platinum sponsors, RetroRewind.ca. Sponsorship uh, levels are available if you would like to uh, throw your hat in the ring. uh, You can find all about this at worldofretrocomputing.com. And I hear the
1: venue this year is off the charts good,
0: too. So everything about this is coming up uh, double money, Canadian money. So check it out, everybody. Aaron, coming up next, (laughs) we have a new video from Doug from Dynamic Computing, the 10-minute retro Amiga cast. Why don't you tell us about this one? This is another one of these videos. I you
1: know, listen, boat the number of Amiga four thousands we currently own, no Amiga four thousand. <laughs> right. We don't we don't got any of them. So Doug uh, goes in and he what he's got going on here is a straight up he's trying to put these uh freeway Triton Light USB cards, Zoro two and Zero Zoro three cards for the Amiga. Now, what is this? Well, it's a USB port, basically, on a big card. Now, listen, we don't care about this stuff that much. Because we don't have... We're not into this sort of thing. But the fun of this is learning how goofy and wacky these systems are. The thing that got me in this particular video is that the the cards and the card side isn't keyed, so you can easily just put crap in backwards, no problem. You've got to <laughs> right put right into stuff, your
0: eight thousand dollar
1: big box Amiga. You've got to put stuff in certain slots, and then there's a whole section at the end of this where Doug just tries to randomly get crap to work, you know, and he, with the USB port. Guess what? The success rate I'd say is about thirty five percent. They don't know, you know, what we went... It's an Amiga. It's not going to know what the crap's going on. It's it's, it's old. It don't know. Yeah. And so you're waiting for drivers and stuff. But if you're the kind of person, first of all, everyone probably needs to have a USB port on the old Amiga. You know, I mean, it's not the worst idea. And this looks like a pretty decent way to go. And if you're kind of, if you're like the kind of person that just like to experiment and stuff, you're you're in business. Bo, you should never get one of these, and probably I shouldn't either. Because the first thing we do is plug this sucker in backwards, blow up the world. Yep. You gotta you gotta have the patience of a Doug here and we'll got that.
0: Yeah. Doug is in his element with these cards for sure. He, yeah, he they're is, Doug's uh...
1: Doug just showed up. Oh no, that's Picard. I'm sorry. But Doug was in here earlier. But listen, if you need something to put mystery keyboards in, mice, whatever you want. This
0: may or may not be the card for you, Boat. I don't know.
1: I mean, I'm not I don't want to oversell it. I don't know,
0: brother. I don't know. And finally, Aaron, our final news story of the week, did you know, Aaron, that we have our very own website on the internet? I've heard that, yeah. EverythingAmiga.com is full of tons and tons of long-form reviews and other articles written by members of the Amigos community there to serve your nostalgic Amiga needs and inform you about games you might not know about. And I wanted to bring this to your attention because way back in the dark, dark days of the pandemic, uh, our one and only Rob Flack O'Hara published a nice long-form article on the very game that we reviewed this week. Yeah. It's known he has a series, an ongoing series on everythingmedia.com called All the Blitters, and it's all about Uridium 2. So if you'd like to see uh, Rob and his his, you know, nobody can opine like Rob, Flack, O'Hara. You know that's true. He puts and, a pot uh, in there, that's for sure. That's right. And so you can check that out. And uh, just, uh, you know, if you haven't been to our website before, we encourage you to go there, everythingamiga.com. Tons and tons of long-form ha- content, articles about hardware. Uh, everything Amiga. It's, it's what it says on the tin.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I, lo- I did read this article this week. And also, when I searched for a rhythm, 2, this came up. So double trouble. That means it's getting some action. Uh, well done, Flack. Uh, He talks a little about Uridium 1 in there, too, Boat. Hey, uh, you know, Boat, uh, as we move down the line here, you know, I just had to get this in the mail, Boat. I figure, I don't want to brag. I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I was talking to Boat before the show. Uh, I got a, I got a few copies of, uh, the newest edition of, of, uh, Amiga Addict in the mail. And if you're watching at home, I'm just gonna hold this up, there it is, in print, so, no one can say we made it up right there. Boat it's an article on me, you, and the Brent in there. They've got us in our track suits. There we are. And I can tell you, as I held this in my hot little hands, I ushered my kid in here. I'm like, look at this kid. I'm like, look at this. Look at this article. And for a brief moment, I felt like a real important big man. But What was Luke's
0: reaction when he saw it?
1: He was very impressed. Because Good. if you're if you're in a magazine, by God, that means something. Uh, and I think, you know, because if you, you're touch, it's funny, you, you popped in on uh, everythingamiga.com. There was a time way back in everythingamiga where, like, there was a fellow, and I've mentioned this before, that was like doing an Amigos magazine. They changed the name eventually. But still, I was super honored that in my name, a dude would put articles in there and, like, call it. I was like, wow, this is great, electronic magazine. Never in my wildest dreams. And I thought, number one, there would be an Amiga magazine. And number two, that we would have a small feature in it. Uh, it's it's a it's a, a ego driving uh, thing, Bo. But it makes me happy. I appreciate it of, of the guys over there at dunk all the guys that put did that. Uh, I don't know if they know what that kind of thing means to a guy. But for me, it was a
0: pretty big deal, and I'm sure your people thought it was pretty cool too, Bo. They did, they did, and uh, of course, the biggest news of the week, Aaron, happy uh, 67th birthday. We appreciate 67. Uh, of Take years off of service on this earth. <laughs> um, I'm going to punch you 67 times <laughs> next time I see you. Aaron, I got to know, on the big day, what did you do to celebrate? Well, <laughs> I went to work. Uh, I uh, 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 My buddy got me a box of donuts. That was well, nice. See, the way that I see it, as soon as you walk into the lab, all those cute lab girls you're always talking about, they throw the confetti into the air, and now, then Greg blows the whee- it no,
1: no, that happened. But they did give me some donuts. They all signed a card. That was nice. That's nice. And I came home. My kid made me a card, which was Ooh, nice.
0: That's the
1: best. And and uh, they got me some cupcakes. So I had donuts and cupcakes. And then for dinner that night, uh, instead of going out to eat, I made hamburgers. But we're out of buns, so we ate hamburgers on hot dog buns. Because that's my <laughs> birthday right there. That's the way. That If I could summarize my life. A couple donuts and hamburgers on a hot dog bun with the kid. That was it. So that was my birthday boat. I wouldn't. Well, I'd say that's a win.
0: Thank you, though. You know, boat. I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that you've you've made it another another revolution around. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. We'll, I appreciate that. Uh, of course, that. we're going to celebrate in style on Sunday. Oh, so, Aaron, I'm, I'm what do we death. got going on on the old YouTube channel this week?
1: Uh, well, boat. Really, the only thing that uh, of of note, I'd say. Uh, we we did do a. I've started up my Friday night disaster streams in full force, boat. So over on the Amiga uh, Stream Team channel, I had a, a lot of fun last week playing with my new TI nine nine four A boat. I, it was my four A into the four A. You know what I mean. You like
0: that? You know, Aaron. Before we forget, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to cut off our, our riveting uh, recap of our YouTube channel. Yeah. But tomorrow it's going down. Oh what's yeah, going down for real, as they say. Tell us about what's going down tomorrow, Aaron. Holy smokes! I'm glad you did that, Bo. Because I, what's all, just, Edvin. Edvin? Edvin, reminded me. So. Ed,
1: this is Edvin is great. Or right before bed, he's at full force. Uh, we are at tomorrow night. It's the International Computer Club. Uh, we've done it one more time. This every international computer club boat could easily be the last. And I'm serious, and you know I am, because these things I are do. stressful to I me. Do. But I feel less stressed out than I've ever been, Boat. I've got internet fiber right now, the strong yeah, strength of the fiber, fiber behind Those me. And I've got a we got a, and what makes it me happy is this full lineup of genius presenters, Boat. If I can go over a few names, if you'll indulge Please me. Um <clears throat> We've got, first of all, we've got our old buddy, Graham W. Vebke, is going to be putting down something. we got Petzl. Frank from Richard Rewind is going to have uh, a little talk and a video. Happy Coding will be there. The Codester, right? Pajako has a video. Dave Z is putting something together. You know Dave's always out of his mind. Yeah, right? Is. Mitsuyama is going to get in there and get him some. Uh, your own personal self, Boat, is going to be involved in something. God knows what. And I've gotten on good authority from L. Curtis Boyle that Nick Barentes is going to debut his newest game. Oh my God! On the show tomorrow. So, debut? Are you serious? That's like, what that's ex- that's what the little wow. bird told me. And the little bird is a guy called L. Curtis Boyle, and he's all hail. That's you. You got that right. So that's a good lineup of we got nine strong presenters right there. And you never know what's going to pop up on the old ICC. I'm looking forward to this one, Boat. I'll be honest with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. What time that kicking off? That kicks off at 5 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you're going to be involved in the show, uh, I would like you to be there by 4.30 so I can make sure I kick the tires. I also want to thank the T-Speaker regulars who, who helped me test out my new rig uh, with great success, I might add. So I think we're going to be solid as a rock this time, Boat. For International Computer Club, hey, one last thing. <clears throat> if you are a Discord member... We're going to have a room called an Nets Computer Club. Just come on in. All right? You don't have to even be a presenter. Uh, If you uh, are just going to watch on Twitch or you're not a member of the Discord, we're on the same channel you're on now. 5 p.m. EST. We'll be ready to go. Uh, We'll take your questions, your comments during the show. It should be a fun time. We're very casual in there. People are going to come and go as they do. Everybody's chill. It's going to be a lot of fun, Bode.
0: All right. All right, Aaron. What do we got coming up next week? Let's see what we got here, Boat. Oh, my. Sing it, Boat. Lollipop, lollipop. (laughs) I had one of my kids start singing that today. I was like, that song's from the 20s. It's like 200 years before you were born. It's still
1: relevant, Boat. I've never heard of lollipop the game. Have you? No.
0: It's a rainbow arts joint, though, so you know it might be good, Maybe.
1: <laughs> you 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 have a love hate relationship with every developer on the Amiga boat. I do. I do. <laughs> It'll be fun, maybe.
0: I think it's a shooter of some sort or a platformer. Yeah, I think, we'll find yeah, out. Platform shooter. Could be. Could be. Who knows? All right, guys. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you as always to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash amigos podcast. We will see you all next week. And until then, adios. Made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Patreon supporters help choose the games we play, receive exclusive magnets, and get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server. Visit patreon.com slash amigospodcast if you'd like to support the show and join our community.